Welcome to the Flint Citadels podcast of our Sunday morning worship service, a weekly production of the Salvation Army Flint Citadel Corps. great to see you guys here this morning. I would invite you, rather, to open your uh, Bibles this morning and look to the book of Psalms, the 139th Psalm, and we're going to be looking at the first six verses, as well as the 13th through the 18th verses. Psalm 139, verses 1 through 6, and verses 13 through 18. And that psalm says this, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, They are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. Those are great words to think about. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you so much for the mystery that is uh, your very presence uh, amongst us now and and the fact that someone of the magnitude of your being would be so gracious as to offer up your own son to uh, come to us and offer us insight into what it would be to to have the right to come to you, to have the opportunity and the privilege of coming into the kingdom of heaven. 
if only we would just believe and accept what you have to offer to us. Help us to accept that gift today, Lord, if we haven't already, and help us to bring others in a closer walk with you in all that we say and do here today. For it's in your name that we ask. Amen. You know, it's an interesting thing that uh, we would come to opportunities in life, and opportunities not just for stewardship, but opportunities to um, just do. Uh, last Monday, for instance, I was leaving, a, I was playing some, just some pickup basketball with some friends, and I was getting ready to leave, and on the other side of this church we were playing at, on the opposite side of the building, there was another parking lot, much like we have here, and obviously there was a guy with a big truck, and he was trying to push this very large truck into the parking lot in, through some snow. So I couldn't help but, and it was pretty cold outside that night, so I stopped, and I, I saw, uh, checked in to see if he was okay. If he, oh, he had just simply run out of gas, simple as that. So all I really did was drive him down to the gas station. He bought a plastic gas can thing, filled it up, and brought it back, put it in his truck, and he was on his way. Now, I could have just easily just driven on by, but something ate away at me as I, as I came by that driveway, and I was about uh, maybe 30, 40 feet past. Because a part of me says, hey, it may not be safe, because this guy might be some, somebody who would be out to harm me in some way. But something told me in my heart of hearts, this is time to stop and help this person. So I backed up, and I came in and helped him out. Something very simple. It didn't bother me a bit. It was just a simple drive a few blocks down the road in some cold weather. We get opportunities all the time to offer ourselves in time. And maybe we can put our talents to work during that time of, of service. But it's interesting that there are opportunities to recognize that, and we're going to recognize that a little bit today. Uh, during the, the, the presidency that is just about to step aside now and make way for um, a, a new uh, policy maker, uh, a new leader, the, the Bush presidency created the President's Volunteer Service Award. And the President's Volunteer Service Award is something that well, it's, it's, a, it's an accumulation of time. And they wanted to not let people go by the wayside and say, look, we're going to encourage people to step out and volunteer and use their time and be stewards of what you have to offer. And that presentation of that award uh, is given to someone if you have accumulated a fair bit of time volunteered. And they give away these really neat little pins even. This is uh, the bronze-colored pin. It looks very much like the uh, logo that you now see presented on the screens in front of you, but this one sort of has a bronze background. And for someone who has accumulated as much as 174 hours of volunteer service, you think about 174 hours is a lot of hours. If you put in a couple of hours here on a given day, you'd have to do that for like two months every single day, a couple hours a day down here. That's, That's no small feat, and that's just for the bronze. And if you were to achieve the silver award, you can see how it gets a little shinier. The silver award is if you accumulate as much as, I believe the right number is uh, 399 volunteer hours. These are nice little pins. But if you achieve at least 400 volunteer hours, you can actually get the gold President Volunteer Service Award as well. As it turns out, somebody submitted the name of one of our core members. And not only... Did they achieve the bronze, and not only did they achieve the silver, but they achieved the gold volunteer service award. And with that, a nice little plaque, a wooden plaque that's got a certificate on it that says, hey, you're not going to go without some recognition. And there's letters in here from a lot of Salvation Army higher-ups and a couple of very nice certificates, one each for each of these levels of award, on letterhead from the White House saying, way to go, great job. Keep volunteering. Keep giving of yourself. And I am very proud to say that I am going to be uh, a part of this person's life in being a part of some of the volunteer pieces that they do. Because today we get to give this award to Mark York. Come on up here, Mark. It's a nice little plaque. You can see that the logo is on here, too. This is going to be something that Mark can show to somebody, and they're going to say, hey, what's that all about? And Mark will be able to tell them all about things that he did with, say, Project Lead and band caroling and coming down and helping out maybe empty out kettles in the middle of the evening or spending time teaching young kids how to play a horn someday or just being a part of what we do at the Army. And, Mark, here's the letters that come with that and people who say, way to go. And certainly, I don't want to be last but least, but these are those nifty little volunteer service award pins. I'll have you take good careful handle on those. We all volunteer in certain ways, but when you go that extra mile and spend lots of extra hours, it's nice to get something tangible to show for it. Well done, Mark. Keep it up, buddy.
morning. Um, our core cadets work really hard week after week and getting their lessons done and in on time. And Beth is a part of that in making sure that they get them done and she turns them in. And my mom helped a lot um, while I was in class this last semester in doing that. But we like to recognize some of our core cadets right now. The first core cadet we like to recognize um, has been a part of core cadets for five years and has completed the core cadet program and is now a graduate. And I have a certificate for them as well as some letters and a pin. And that core cadet is Mark York. We also had another core cadet who graduated with Mark, and he's not here today, but that was Andrew Simmert. Um, now I just have some certificates for completing um, Course H, and when I call your name, please come up to receive your certificates. Um, Receiving a gold certificate, Kim Tolcher. Um, also receiving a gold certificate, Colleen Simmert, who is not here today. Uh, another recipient receiving a gold certificate, Katherine Holman. Josie Himes receiving a gold certificate. <laughs> receiving a silver certificate, Bethany Augustine. Receiving a silver certificate, Chelsea Schmidt. Receiving a bronze certificate, um, DJ McLaren. Congratulations. And lastly, receiving a bronze certificate is Chris York. Is he here today? No. He's not here today. But Mark will take it for him. Congratulations, you guys. We do appreciate the time that Debbie put in coming down um, for the last semester, but also Beth and Lauren for the hard work. And sometimes it's very hard to get these guys settled down and focused and, and listening to the lessons and doing them. Not because they're bad kids, it's just sometimes they just get excited. And we've got a bunch of great kids, and it's not always easy for them to settle down and, and listen, but they do a good job. Now we're going to have um, songs and testimony time. And we're going to sing Trust and Obey. We'll sing the first verse in chorus. So let's sing the first verse. Maxine and I have learned a lot about trust this last few months. 
not only about trust, but about thankfulness for all of our core family who supported us over this past few months. But this past week has been a blessing to us. Our son had surgery on his back on Friday, and he's doing very well. Maxine had a good report from a doctor this week. So we're very thankful for the Lord, for his wonderful goodness to us, and this wonderful core family he has supplied for us. Thanks, Clem. I am, I don't even know where to begin. Uh, um, I am so blessed in so many ways. I have a beautiful family. I have a beautiful church family. Um, recently, um, God has blessed us with a house through Habitat for Humanity um, that um, is going to be start building in the spring. And I just feel, like Dr. Joe was saying earlier, I'm just blessed beyond words. I don't even know where to begin, and I'm just so grateful. Thank you. We'll sing the second verse in chorus. invited to say anything about core cadets. I'd like to say something about, about my class. Um, I've been doing it a long time, and oftentimes I learn just as much as the kids do, and I love our kids here, and I thank God for all of them. Okay, we'll sing the third Jim is celebrating the uh, 76th birthday of plus one month and her first birthday. Uh, January 21st in 2008, I suffered my congestive heart failure and uh, pulmonary edema. In 15 days, I nearly died. And the prayers of this Corps, the prayers of my family, the care, and the love that I've received, uh, both from all of you and God, uh, I have nothing but praise for him and his words. And I thank you all for your support. I have uh, commented before that uh, I continue to be amazed at the reach of the Salvation Army. Um, This last week I spent the coldest week of the year up north in uh, Grayling, Gaylord, um, Alpena, and points in between. And I had the good fortune to meet um, two people in particular that illustrate um, the reach of the Army through, um, through the people it attracts. Um, one was a lady in Midland who I just, on a chance that she'd be home, stopped at her house and learned that... Uh, um, she's an active Christian, loves the Salvation Army, although she's not a soldier of the Salvation Army, um, never travels without a band CD, 
in her CD player in her car. And um, she, and, uh, my stock question is, you know, when, when, how did you encounter the Salvation Army? And hers was, she encountered the Salvation Army through Jim Curnow and his wife at Asbury College, where she was a student. And uh, she's an active supporter of the Salvation Army program in Midland and uh, a teacher, a former teacher, I should say, but uh, just a beautiful soul. And it uh, lifted me up as I was, at that point, heading north. Those are the kind of things we like to hear. Um, And it shows the importance of the one-on-one interaction that occurs between individual salvationists and people who may be of another doctrinal uh, persuasion than we are, but who find a home in the Salvation Army. And I praise God for the opportunity to serve him in this way. Amen. Okay, we'll sing the last verse. scripture this morning is 1st Samuel verse uh, chapter 3 verses 11 through 20 1st Samuel 3:11 through 20 The Lord said to Samuel Behold I am about to do a thing in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle In that day I will carry out against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house From beginning to end. For I have told him that I am about to judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knew, because his sons brought a curse on themselves, and he did not rebuke them. Therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. So Samuel lay down until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, but Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, Here I am. He said, What is the word that he spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. May God do so to you, and more also if you hide anything from me of all the words that he spoke to you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. Thus Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fail. All Israel, from Dan even to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was confirmed as a prophet of the Lord. May God bless his word today. We're going to sing a song called The Wonderful Cross um, as we talk about obedience. Uh, I think that um, above anything else, um, we may not you know, think about it, but above anything else, um, it's the cross of Jesus uh, that he died on uh, that impacts people and causes them to um, join in with Christ in a uh, relationship with him um, under his lordship. Um, it's not necessarily the blessings or... Um, the hope of, you know, not necessarily going to, to hell or to heaven, um, but just so much what Christ did for us. If we meditate, meditate on what he did, that something we couldn't do. So we're going to sing the wonderful cross as you stand. And um, if you're not familiar with the song, we're going to sing the first verse through, um, and then we're going to start with the second verse after that, so you can jump in when you're comfortable. But it's a really um, easy melody.
thank you this morning for the reminder that there are people who have prayed us through difficult times, people whose names we don't know, who um, we may not be even aware were in prayer for us. God, I just thank you for the miraculous way you have set up uh, your creation, your kingdom, that um, prayer is not a waste of time or an idle um, pastime, it is um, the true power of um, Christian living. And God, I pray that we might each be prayer warriors, taking the needs of others before your throne. Just bless us now as we spend this time in your word. We give you praise and we thank you, God, because you're so good to us. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd um, please open your Bible to First Samuel chapter 3. And while you look that up, I want to give you a little bit of background. The book of um, 1 Samuel is really a, a turning point in the history of the nation of Israel. Up until this time, Israel had been governed by judges, and God was really considered to be their king. But you know, things really weren't going very well, because people refused to follow God. This period of time can perhaps be best summed up by the phrase, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. The book is named after its main character, Samuel, who was the last of the judges and the first of the the prophets. And it is this same Samuel, who anoints the first king of Israel, Saul. In the first two chapters of 1 Samuel, we're introduced to Hannah. She is barren, and she asks God for a child. And she promises God if if she could conceive and, and bear a child, that she would give that child back to the Lord. Well, to make a a long story short, God hears her prayer and grants her request. And Hannah names the newborn boy Samuel. And after she has weaned him, she leaves him there at the temple to serve the Lord. In the first two chapters, we're also introduced to Eli and his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. These um, sons were priests in the temple, but they were very evil men. And they used this holy place for their immoral purposes. You can read those two chapters and get a taste of what they were doing. And Eli, he knew about this. He was the judge of Israel. He was the, the leader of Israel. 
he heard other people complaining about the conduct of his sons. God also warned Eli about his sons, about what they were doing. But Eli was a weak leader, especially when it came to his own sons. And he he made a half-hearted attempt to rebuke them. But he was either unwilling or unable to control them. It is into this dysfunctional setting that the young boy Samuel is introduced. And and coming from a godly family, I wonder what that mom thought, because she would have known the reputation, leaving her little boy in in this kind of an environment. Chapter 3, verse 1, sets the stage. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli, in whose In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. You see, Eli and the people were going through the motions of um, religious service. God wasn't even listening anymore. And God wasn't speaking. Perhaps this is reflected by Eli's failing vision. He was the one to whom God was supposed to speak. But he had allowed his sons to pervert the priesthood. Verses 2 and 3 go on to say, It happened that as that at that time, as Eli was lying down in his place, now his eyesight had begun to grow dim, and he could not see well, and the lamp of God had not gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. There's kind of a play here with the, um, with the word vision and the idea of sight in these first three verses. Verse 1 says that the visions were infrequent. Verse 2 talks about Eli having dim vision. And verse 3 gives us some hope because it says the lamp of the Lord had not gone out. Know this, when God seems silent, It isn't because his light or his lamp has gone out. It's because our vision has grown dim. But um, interestingly, God is on speaking terms with this little boy, Samuel. And in verses 11 through 14, God speaks his first message to him. And what a message it is. 1 Samuel Chapter 3, verses 11 through 14. The Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which the both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. In that day I will carry out against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I am about to judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knew because of his sons because his sons brought a curse on themselves, and he did not rebuke them. Therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Now those are some mighty harsh words, don't you think? It's interesting that God chose to send this message by a young boy, Samuel. Instead of just speaking it, this judgment, directly to Eli. But I guess he had done that once before, hadn't he? It would seem that God was um, done trying to deal with this elderly judge. And he was uh, moving on and opening a new channel of communication. I think verse 13 is the key. It says there, For I have told him that I am about to judge his house forever, For the iniquity which he knew, because his sons brought a curse on themselves, and he did not rebuke them. Eli's sons brought a curse upon themselves, and Eli didn't rebuke them. I want to dwell on this verse for just a minute, because I think it it gives us an insight into um, much of the trouble in our world today, and, and even the trouble we find in our church now, Eli was a religious man, wouldn't you agree? I mean, he, he, uh, he brought his boys up in a religious family. It was their job to be religious because Eli was Israel's judge and he was in charge of the Lord's house and the affairs of the nation. In addition, 
Hophni and Phineas served as priests. But this religious family had some real problems, didn't they? The boys were more interested in wine, women, and song than in serving God. They were religious, but they had no relationship, no understanding of God. Perhaps this helps us understand why some kids raised in Christian families, raised in the church, even some officers' kids, end up rejecting God. They know all about the things of God because they've grown up with it. But having been raised in the things of God, they choose instead the things of the world. Contrast this with godly Hannah. She persistently asked God for a baby. Year after year, she asked God. And he learned earlier that uh, her husband had another wife who just picked on her all the time because she had, had children. But one day God answered her prayer. Hannah was true to her word. And when uh, Samuel was old enough, she gave him to Eli to serve there in the tabernacle. I'm sure she continued to pray for her son every day. And, and the scriptures tell us every year when they would come up for worship, she would bring him a new new robe, a new tunic to wear. Sounds just like a mother, doesn't it? Here's the difference between these two. Religion can never take the place of godliness. Religion can never take the place of a personal faith and a personal relationship with God. Eli's sons failed to listen to their father. They didn't listen to his rebuke. Even though it was a mild rebuke, they failed to follow the wisdom of Proverbs 13, verse 1, where it says, A wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. I think that describes Hophni and Phineas pretty well. But it really doesn't excuse Eli's lack of diligence. Here's a lesson from Eli to parents, grandparents. Don't gloss over your children's misbehavior and sin. Because if you do, it will be a curse to them and it will be a curse to you. When your child is out of line... God expects us as parents to bring that child back in the line. When you ignore sin, when you ignore as a parent bad behavior, you embolden your child to go deeper, to go further. And you share some of that guilt. Avoid the Eli syndrome. Now for uh, the young people, which we don't have many in here. Depends what you call young. I'll be careful with that. I would ask the young people to pay attention because I want young people to carefully consider the lives of us adults. Young people need to look at the fruit of our lives as adults. They need to recognize that God blesses us when we listen to Him and sometimes... uh, doesn't bless us, maybe even punishes us when we um, simply pay him lip service. Young people need to learn from our example, even our bad example. Samuel saw the failure of Eli and his sons. And in spite of that environment, he was true to the Lord and he brought honor to his family. And God blessed him. Samuel became probably the greatest of the judges. Well, after Eli, or after Samuel heard this message, um, he got up in the morning and went about his business. And Eli pressed him to tell him what God had said. Samuel was a little reluctant. He didn't really want to share judgment on, um, on this man. But he didn't hold anything back. And this morning, I don't want to hold anything back in in warning you of the consequences of ignoring God, the consequences 
of ignoring sin. I don't want to hold back in telling parents that you're setting your children up for failure if you don't discipline them, if you don't correct them, if you don't raise them in the ways of the Lord. They need your guidance, even as grandparents. However, we have relation to children. They need our guidance. We need to work with them, correct them, discipline them, and love them. Teach them that they're not the center of the universe, that they are accountable to you, and that they are accountable to God. I can tell you, they won't always, um, they won't always like that. They won't thank you for it. Not now, but someday in eternity they will. God told Samuel that the iniquity of Eli's house would not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. That was the shortcoming of the Old Testament sacrificial system. But this morning I want you to know that the blood of Christ can cleanse us from all sin and that it secures by faith our place in heaven. We don't live under the limitations of that Old Testament system. Jesus, through his sacrifice on the cross, can forgive all sin. When Eli heard this judgment against him and his family, he didn't put up a fight, he didn't argue, he didn't plead. He knew that God's judgment was right, and he accepted it to his, to his credit. In this he showed his faith, but what a tragic faith. What a tragedy. God had warned him about how he was raising his sons, and Eli ignored God. Don't fall into the Eli syndrome, the Eli trap. And don't do that personally either. When you know that there's sin in your life, or maybe in the life of a loved one, confront it, confess it, repent of it, and get it cleansed in the blood of Christ. Eli experienced God's judgment because he failed to deal with known sin in his family. While Samuel was blessed because he fully followed the Lord, even when it was difficult, So this morning, deal thoroughly with known sin. Deal thoroughly with known sin in your own life so you can enjoy God's blessing on your life, on your marriage, on your family. Pray for your children and grandchildren, for your family, but don't don't indulge them. Give them meaningful work to do in serving others as, as Samuel did. Don't give them more than they can handle, more responsibility than they can take. When they misbehave, correct them. Teach them that life isn't about pleasing themselves, but about serving the Lord and serving others. Teach them to hear the voice of God, and when they hear it, to do exactly what he says. Proverbs 10.1 tells us, A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. And you don't want to be a sorrow to your mother. (laughs) Eli demonstrates that not dealing with known sin leads to disaster. So this morning I invite you to confess any known sin in your own life, to repent of any sin. And when those young people in your life, your kids, your grandkids, people, young people around the core, when they, when they um, stray from the right path, encourage them back onto the path. Don't assume they'll find their way on their own. And don't fall into the trap of thinking that being religious takes the place of being godly. Beware of the Eli syndrome. Eli was right to accept God's judgment and the consequences of his actions. But how much better it could have been and would have been if he had responded to God when he warned him while he still had time. 
I don't know if God's warning you about anything in your life, in your family. But don't ignore it. When God the Holy Spirit speaks, and it may be a quiet voice, but but you'll know that uh, this is God speaking about something in your life. Don't ignore it. Don't debate it. Confess it. Repent of it. And ask it to be cleansed in the blood of Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the forgiveness that is available to us through the blood of Christ. Something that those people in the Old Testament could only long for and hope for and see from afar. Lord, we have it in abundance because Christ has made the perfect sacrifice. And we have no excuse to continue in sin. So, Father, I just uh, thank you for all that you've done. I thank you, Lord, for the example of Eli, that we might learn to avoid um, his mistakes. I thank you, Lord, for uh, Samuel and for his childlike faith that, uh, Lord, you honored. God, bless us now as we consider what you would have us do. Speak to us that we might understand your voice. And God, uh, help us to to obey and to follow you. For we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. We're not going to sing the song that's in your bulletin because when I was trying to work out the chords, there's a couple I just couldn't figure out, which is kind of too bad. So um, we're going to do a dumbed-down song (laughs) that, um, though it's simpler gets to the truth that God is here. And he's speaking, if you'll listen closely. He wants to have a relationship with you. And so um, this morning, if you you need to uh, draw closer to him, if you need to do any business with him, take advantage of the opportunity. Let's sing together. He is here. Hallelujah, He is here, Amen, He is here, Holy, Holy, I will bless His name again, He is here, listen
transformed, changed into the likeness of your, um, your dear Son. God, we know that we've begun that process, that you are working in our lives, that your Holy Spirit dwells within us. But God, uh, we're so far from that image. Lord, we see in our own lives things that aren't very much like Jesus. Lord, it makes us realize that we need to give you all of our heart, that we're holding something back. Father, if that's true um, in any of our lives today, I pray that um, you would just help us to make the, the commitment, the vow to you, to give to you all that there is of us. Father, might we um, uh, just be well-pleasing in your sight today. And as we prepare to be dismissed, God, um, might our a gathering here uh, be a source of joy to your heart, to our hearts, to encourage us and to keep us um, moving along in the faith. We praise you and we thank you and we give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. In your bulletin is the benediction. I invite you to stand, and you'll find that if you open it up, it's kind of um, right there across from the outline. And I think maybe we're going to have some keyboard in here, so that might even help us uh, get the notes right. How many of you know this? That's good. Let's sing it as a prayer. This has been the weekly podcast of the Flint Citadel's Morning Worship Experience. We hope you were blessed. Join us again for next week's service. Better yet, join us in person anytime at the Citadel, located in the heart of downtown Flint, at 211 West Kersley Street, where you're always among friends. For more information about the Salvation Army in Flint and our worship times and weekly activities, visit us online at www.flintcitadel.org or call us at area code 810-232-2199. Thanks for listening.